This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, here's what's happening at Right From The Deep. Well, first and always, thank you to our patrons on Patreon. You guys, you need to know we could not do this show without you. We're so thankful for you. Thanks so much to our March sponsor of the month, Bobby Uptograph. Yay, Bobby! Bobby has been a longtime supporter of another ministry called Friends of Renacer, a support network for a home that helps abused, orphaned, and abandoned children in Honduras. You can find out more about them at friendsofrenacer.com. Right. And another exciting thing that we mentioned last time is that for the next few months and of episodes, we have a sponsorship from the Novel Marketing Podcast. And you can find that show at novelmarketing.com. We highly, highly recommend this podcast with host Thomas Umstead Jr. And because of the sponsorship, we've been bringing you Novel Marketing's 10 Commandments of Book Marketing. And last week, we talked about commandment number one, love thy reader as you love thy book. Well, commandment number two is similar. Thou shalt write for thy reader, not for thyself. You've probably heard this before, but one way to ensure that you do that is to kill your darlings. That means you only include in your book those things that will impact the reader. So if you have a sentence or a phrase or a paragraph that you absolutely love, but it's not going to serve the reader, it goes. Right. And as editors, we're telling you, it probably does need to go. <laughs> so just just do it, guys. Kill your darlings. All right. Um, the other thing that we wanted to say that might help you with commandment number two is write the back cover copy before you write your book, because that helps you keep your reader in mind and why they, they might want to read your book. Remember, thou shalt write for thy reader, not thyself. Now, for more book promotion and platform help, listen to the Novel Marketing Podcast in your favorite podcast app or find it at novelmarketing.com. One other podcast we want to mention is the one we'll be talking about on the show today. Yes. It's called Compelled. And guys, it's really amazing. You can find it at compelledpodcast.com. We'll have a link in the show notes, but we're interviewing the host today. We're excited about how this podcast can be a great resource for you writers in the stories you tell. Interested? Listen (laughs) to today's episode for more. Indeed. And we've also been trying to bring you guys just a wonder every time um, to help you look at what God's doing in your life. And I want to tell you, for me, just yesterday, I I had to FaceTime Karen because I was so excited about this. At my bird feeders, showed up these birds, they're purple finches. Now, I had never seen a purple finch. They were just different, and they just showed up. I don't even think they're supposed to be here right now. I think maybe they're migrating or passing through. But oh my goodness, I just happened to be looking out the window when they just happened to be there for like a half an hour, and then they left. But here's what I thought about. God knows what every bird is doing on this whole entire planet. Not one of them drops to the ground apart from his will. And that is beyond my understanding. And yet, Jesus tells us that we're worth so much more than even those little sparrows and birds and everything. 
that's what you guys are worth so much more. And God sees you and he knows you and he knows everything you do. To me, guys, that's a wonder of God. And now, here's here's the the show. Paul Hastings is the host and producer of Compelled Podcast, which is a podcast with unique stories from the kingdom of God told by people compelled to live for him. Paul is an entrepreneur and has consulted extensively in the film, marketing, and political arenas. He, his wife Sarah, and their three children live near Austin, Texas, which right now is very cold. His work has been featured by Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk, World Magazine, American Family Association, The Gospel Coalition, and The Blaze. Paul, we are so delighted to have you here with us. Welcome! Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here from Chile, Texas. <laughs> yeah. We're those words at the same time. Not unless it's about food. <laughs> Very cool. Good one. So, Paul, um, thanks for being here in the cold here. But talk to us about the deep and maybe not the deep freeze (laughs) or maybe. (laughs) What does the deep mean to you? Oh, man. Okay. Well, you know, I've thought about it a little bit. And it's an intriguing thought because I think, obviously, it means something different for each person. Uh, When we are trying to put together a podcast episode... Uh, we spend a lot of time assembling our, our edits. And so we'll think about like, what are the things that are going to connect with our, our audience? Um, and so frequently, it means me taking a walk outside. Sometimes I'll take a long walk, maybe an hour at a time, just to really get my brain away from the storyline and back to what is the actual emphasis that we're trying to leave with listeners. So for me to get into the deep, it means like a place of like peacefulness. Mm-hmm. and quiet. They're not quite related to podcasting, but from like a, just other moments that I've just had profound, I guess I would call it communion with God, have been moments when I've been outdoors. Mm-hmm. So hikes uh, in the Grand Canyon. I went there when I was, I think I was 14, 15, 16, went for a three-day hike through the Grand Canyon. And that was just a profound moment just to like, you know, I was walking with my family and we were hiking up and down through the canyon with backpacks on board. And, uh, and just like when I would step away from them and would just look at the grandeur around me, it was just, mm-hmm. it was profound. So that's, I, I guess that's what, uh, in a convoluted way, that's kind of what I think of the deep. That's what comes to my mind immediately. Mm. Well, that's really great. Yeah, I love that. So talk just a little bit about your podcast. Talk about Compelled and what you guys do there so you can enlighten our listeners who might be very interested. <laughs> I suggest they listen to your podcast because it's a good one. Well, good. Well, good. I appreciate that. Yeah. So um, our show, we are looking for unique stories from the kingdom of God, from people uh, that are everyday, ordinary people like us, or maybe the people that are famous, uh, but that have unique stories of what God has done in their life. So for an example, we started our podcast and I just happened to know this lady. Uh, She's probably about 70 years old and she used to be an abortion clinic owner. And he was uh, responsible for 30,000 abortions back in the 70s, profited off of that. And she believed she was a Christian. She faithfully went to church. She tied 10% of her abortion profits to the church faithfully. She kept a Bible in her drawer at work and every morning would pray to God, asking, wow. God, please don't let any women die in my clinics. Wow. And this was her lifestyle. And then uh, right in the middle of that, one day, this guy shows up 
And he was an arbitrator because she was having a financial dispute with one of her partners. And this arbitrator had agreed to arbitrate with them, but he was actually a pastor. Mm. So he began witnessing with her and telling her, do you know who Jesus Christ is? And she's like, of course I do. I'm a Christian. I, you know, to get to her little spiel. And he began to share the gospel with her. And, and she had never really heard the gospel her entire <laughs> life. And that was the first time. And so this is, again, this is back in the 70s, right? And so um, anyway, she gave her life to Christ, renounced that old lifestyle. Today, she's a staunch pro-life advocate. But this is a lady that like, you know, no one's ever heard of her, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, lots of people heard of her back in the day, I guess. But anyway, so she was just kind of this person that I, I knew personally as a friend of mine. And so uh, we went and told her story. And we're looking for stories like that all the time of, of incredible stories of what God has done, because God is not someone who's like constrained by like, right. you know, expectations or circumstances. He can do anything he feels like. And that's what we're looking for. Wow. So basically, in essence, you know, what I love about your show is that you're a storyteller, Paul. <laughs> you, <laughs> you're not writing novels. You're not writing nonfiction books, but you're telling your story via podcasting. And that's one of the things that I think listeners could really benefit from if they listen to your show. It's just a, a different take on how you do story. And it's just it, lots of insights. Um, but what, what do you think as far as how writers might be able to benefit from listening to your show? Yeah, well, uh, actually, there, were, there are two things. That I would, well, three things, actually. For the regular person who's just a believer, I would encourage them to listen to our show. I think it's really encouraging to hear what God is doing. Yeah. But specifically for writers, there's two ways that I can think of immediately that writers might find really interesting for our show. The first one is the actual stories themselves. Right. Um, some of the people that we interview, they do have books they've written about themselves or other people have written books about them. But a lot of the folks that we have, uh, there's no, nothing's been written about them. They're just literally normal folks with these crazy stories and like they're w waiting to be told. Mm. One that comes to mind right now, it's a story that we have not released yet, but we'll be releasing it probably three or four weeks from now. And it's this young man, uh, he's about 30 years old, about my age, and he has lived his entire life with cystic fibrosis. Mm -hmm. And uh, cystic fibrosis is a disease that slowly destroys your lungs. Right. And when he was born back in the 1980s, they told his family that he would be dead by somewhere in his early childhood. Ooh. He didn't die in his childhood. He made it to his teen years. And in his teen years, the doctor said he will die as a teenager. Wow. He still survived. And so medicine was kind of like slowly keeping up pace with them. But now that he's hit like the early 20s, they're like, yep. Yeah, you know, you're going to die. No one's ever made it past, you know, whatever it is, the age 35 or something. And so he continued living his life faithfully for the Lord, you know, believing that his life was in God's hands. He knew that his days were numbered, but he wanted to live as normal a Christian life as possible. So he got married. He and his wife had a child. But then about last year, the cystic fibrosis had finally kind of reached the limit. He only had 17% lung capacity. He was on oxygen tanks 24-7 still having, you know, uh, having to go to the ER constantly. Uh, they thought he was going to die multiple times. He's basically drowning in his own lungs. Right, right. Um, and then he gets on the lung transplant list. And it's a tough choice to make when you're on that list, because either if you get it, you can live if you get the transplant, but it's a very dangerous procedure, especially as a cystic fibrosis patient. But even if the lungs successfully, you know, transplant into your body, they're only going to last you two or three years as a cystic fibrosis patient. Wow. And then that's it. And you can try to get another set of lungs and that'll last you maybe two or three years. But like at this point, like only, I think the most lungs, 
someone's ever gone through at this point, it's like three sets of lungs. Mm-hmm. And then you die. Like that, that's it. That, and so, so they had a young daughter. She was two years old. And so, you know, here he is. He's in a hospital room, dying, basically drowning. And so in his few moments of consciousness, him and his wife are trying to decide, am I going to try to get another set of lungs and live? Or should I allow God to take me home? And again, this, this is like a decision you would never want to make, right? He's like mm-hmm. 30 years old. He's got oh. this young wife, like a two-year-old daughter at home. And so he says, okay, I want to live to at least see my daughter a little bit more. Like that's worth it to me, to live in this form of torture, basically. So they put him on the, the lung transplant list. And he manages to you know, hobble along for a few more months. And they're waiting for a donor to die. Wow. And then what happens, though, is uh, he gets the phone call. The call comes in. And when a donor dies, you have to get that set of lungs put into you right away. Yeah, right. Uh, because so when that call comes, it's just the people through the donor registry. They're calling. And whoever picks up, if you're first on the list, you pick up and you say you want the lungs, you get it. If you don't pick up, they just call the very next person on the list. So you've got your phone on 24-7 all the time, and you're prepared to say yes. So they get the call. The call says, do you want the set of lungs? You've got to choose right now, yes or no. And they say, yes, we want the lungs. They hop in their car. They drive to San Antonio, Texas. They've got two hours before they get these lungs put in them. His wife, the whole time, she believes firmly that Josh is going to die. Like she has a check in her spirit that he's not going to wake up. And and she knows like this is their only option. Like if they don't right. do this, he's going to die. If they do this, he might die or he might live. But this is it. So she's saying goodbye to him at the hospital. They get to the hospital. They take him into the gurney. They put him on a gurney. They shave his chest. They start injecting him with drugs. And his wife is just repeatedly saying, I love you. I love you. I just want you to know that I love you. And Mm -hmm. then they put him in the gurney. And then the doctors walk in moments before they're about to put him under. And they said, hey, man, we just did a third test on the lungs. And they ruptured. (sighs) And so if they had only done the first two, if the doctors had only done the first two tests, first two tests of lungs, then they would have put him under, they would have put the lungs on him, they would have brought him back to life, and he'd be dead that very moment, right? Oh. Um, and so, and so it's this massive disappointment, right? All, can you imagine, like, the, no. like, his wife, it's just like this roller coaster ride. So they go back home, <sighs> and again, they're on the register, and you just imagine all the emotional turmoil. And then they're waiting for the next set of lungs. While they are waiting, and this just happened less than a year ago. While they are waiting, they get a surprise phone call out of nowhere from their doctor. And he says, hey, Josh, this is kind of crazy, but there's this new drug oh. that just out of medical experimentation. I forget the exact term for it, but, but uh, it's the FDA has approved it to go to a certain early access list. And if you can get on the early access list, it might help you. It might not. We don't know. But to get on the early access list, you have to already be on the lung transplant list. You have to be on that list in order to get the early access drug. Do you want it? And so Josh is like, sure, I'll take it. <laughs> right. And the next week, he gets a phone call saying, we have another set of lungs. Do you want this set of lungs? And this is before he's had the chance to start taking the experimental drugs. Wow. And so this time he says, no, I don't want the lungs. Hmm. I'm going to try this drug out and just see what happens. And he gets on the drug and it has transformed his life. It's actually trans. It was so successful for him and for all the other early access patients with cystic fibrosis. 
that actually the early access program was just canceled and they've extended this drug to all cystic fibrosis patients across America. And it's like 95% effective for, for cystic fibrosis patients. He, for the first time, can actually think about living to become an old person. Oh wow. my gosh. <laughs> and none of this, none of this would ever have happened if, first off, if he had not been on the lung transplant list, because right. he would not have survived the time. But also, this also would not have happened if he had not, if, if the lungs that he'd been trying to get had not if, ruptured. Even if they had, yeah, if they had not ruptured, even if they had worked, he would have woken up, he would have had lungs for three years, and then he would still be on a ticking time bomb to still die anyways, because you can't right. live long. Right. My goodness. Not, I know that was a lot, guys. So you may have to edit this out. No. But, so, so, but that's the story. Like, I, I just record, in fact, I'm holding their family Christmas newsletter. These are friends of mine. Wow. This is their family newsletters. No one's ever recorded their story. No one's ever put this on film. No one's ever done a podcast interview. I'm the first person to do a podcast interview with them. No one's ever. So like, this is a way that like, you know, your listeners might be able to find really cool stories of unfound people. We're looking, we're, like we're already doing the due diligence to find these awesome stories. <laughs> so consider wow. your research department. Well, the other thing is what incredible inspiration for us, the obstacles that we face, that writers face on their writing journey, you know, they can be so discouraging and seem so devastating. But when you, when you look at, at those obstacles that you're hitting and you compare it to some of the stories that are on your podcast, uh, uh, the one that I listened to was a woman who had to face down an assassin who'd been sent to kill her. It, it was just like... I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, I will never complain about the, <laughs> the, the deep places or the obstacles that I face in my life today because I've never had somebody look at me and say, I'm here to kill you. Right yeah. now, my husband, Perry, has thought that, but he's never actually said that to me. So, you know, how amazing the inspiration there of these people who are in these situations, ordinary people in extraordinary situations who hold fast to their faith, people who won't renounce their faith, even though it could cost them a career building opportunity. People who say, I'm sorry, you are not more important to me than my faith in Christ. And I will not renounce Jesus in order to get that reality TV show. What matters to me is being obedient to him and standing for my faith. We need to be inspired in that to do the same thing, because how many authors have wanted a contract so much, and then they're asked to do something that goes against their principles, goes against even their faith, and suddenly they're they're facing this decision that in our mind of the temporal world, we think it's going to end our careers as writers. But in reality, God is saying, who do you love more? Do you love me or do you love being published? Right. It's yeah. an amazing inspiration. Yeah, very yeah. much so. Well, obviously, then you interview people for your show. So what do you think maybe is one thing you should do and one thing you should not do when you're interviewing people about their stories? Because obviously our writers, our listeners may be doing interviews. So what have you learned from your experience of interviewing people? Oh, that's a good question. You know, okay, I'm going to give away one of my trade secrets, okay? One of my favorite <laughs> questions I know. Yeah. There's a secret now. So like, uh, I guess everyone else can use this now. One of my favorite questions uh, to ask people is I say, what was, so let's say I was interviewing you, Karen, 
Mm-hmm. I said, Karen, what would the Karen today say to the Karen 20 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I found this to be really effective because like, you know, I've interviewed people that, and they've had tons of media interviews and frequently they will just stop and just think for a second. And then they'll say, wow, I've never been asked that before. <laughs> and it, it causes them to like really think because like frequently when you're asking the same set of questions that they've been asked before, it's even rote. if they don't sub, yeah, it's rote. Maybe it may be even subconscious, but they're just kind of like saying the same thoughts that they their brain has developed the same answers. Right. But when you ask them a totally brand new question, like, and I think really asking like, what would the you today since the you twenty years ago? That really causes a lot of introspection, also. So you're trying to like break new turf in their right. brain mental path because sometimes there are these gems that are hidden that. It's like, whoa, that's like surprises me and surprises them when they say something that comes out. Okay, so Paul, you're 30, right? Oh, so my goodness. So what would the Paul today say to the Paul 10 years ago? Oh, my God. I, you know, I've never been asked that question, Kim. Can you believe that? <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, man, that is, a, that is a tough question. I think right now in my season, I would probably say, hey, Paul, it's good to hustle. But I think you need to take some more time to be more contemplative about something, mm. right? Don't don't be uh, you know rushing from one project to the next, but take some intentional time to really think strategically and just be at peace to find oh. your spot in the deep, you know. Yes, yes. Can you imagine if we really had our future selves coming and saying those things to us, the impact that it would have? And don't you wonder how it would change how we view our lives today? You know, I think about where I was 20 years ago and how different it is from where I am today. Uh, My husband and I have been through some very difficult things to the point where I almost tried to run him down with my vehicle, with my car. Um, if he hadn't had really good physical reactions, I'd be talking to you through plexiglass. Um, So, you know, it's those kinds of things. And you look back on them now and you think, but I wouldn't change a moment because I am who I am in my faith. I am who I am in my life and my career because of what I learned through those very dark, very difficult days. And I learned who God was. My whole childhood was golden. Pastors, uh, my dad was a pastor. They pastored the same little church for 45 years. And my dad was unusual in that he made us, his his three kids, me and my brothers, his first ministry. They never pushed mm. us off for work with the church. And so, you know, I had this golden childhood and then this marriage that was just a nightmare. But now I see how God used that to create in me a sense of compassion to stop me from looking at things in black and white and judging who people are based on what comes out of their mouths and understanding that that some people are so broken. It's a lifelong process to find peace and contentment with him. So I I absolutely love that concept, Paul. That is awesome. Yeah. And I think, too, that's a good question for writers to ask themselves um, because there are writers out there who are still looking for their message, who are still looking for who they are as a writer. And that's a really good question to ask yourself to delve into what's important to you now um, and how have you grown? And that's, that's your journey. You know, and that might be what you're writing about. So what would you say, Paul, might be a mistake that someone would make when they were in 
interviewing people. You probably never made any, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I've got to be a little more practical here. And this is one of my practical questions. I've got practical answers, I'll tell you. Um, one time I had a guest and he had an incredible story. He was a uh, lieutenant colonel at the Pentagon during 9-11. And he was just at his job doing his regular routine when the plane crashed into the Pentagon just yards away from him. And he was, mm -hmm. he is he actually, he was blasted across a room, instantly set on fire. His flesh was melting off and he sits there in the dark. It's like pitch black. It's like the smoke is so intense. So there's fire everywhere, but it's also pitch black. So he sits there, his body is just destroyed and he's on fire and he screams out. He says, Lord Jesus, I'm coming to see you. And he lays down and does the one thing in the military they teach you never to do. He lays down and gives up. Huh. And he just waits and waits and waits. And he doesn't die. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crazy story. You'll have to listen to it. Uh, it's called the Brian Birdwell episode. But what's wild is I'm interviewing him. And as he is telling me like these incredibly emotional moments, my batteries on my recorder die. Oh, no. This only happens to be once in my entire podcasting career. But it's during this moment, he is weeping. Tears are coming out of his eyes. And I suddenly realize, like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I have to interrupt him and stop the tears so I can put new batteries in my recorder. Oh, dear. Terrible. And of course, you know, so I have to interrupt them and, you know, and then I try to get them back to the same emotional place. And of course it doesn't happen. Right. The interview is still good. So let me just encourage you as an author, make sure you have prepared, whether it's batteries because you're recording or whether you need extra paper or whether it's like your dog, your phone's going to go off or whatever. Just make sure you have thoroughly prepared ahead of time and you're not going to like you know, miss out on some really important moment or spoil the moment. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, that was really moving. Could you just, you know, do that again, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, shoot. Well, Paul, this has been just delightful. Thank you so much for coming to be with us today. We're, we're about at the point where we've got to wrap up. So do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with our listeners, with these writers who are facing ups and downs, dark places, hilltops of joy and rejoicing? Um, what are your final thoughts? Lots of wisdom for them. Yeah. You know, I think I would just say that whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. It can mm -hmm. be really tempting for myself when I'm making these episodes and people say, oh, you know, this is incredible, da da da. And it can be really tempting for myself to feel inflated or an ego or like, wow, I am amazing. This is so cool. <laughs> And really, I just need to remember, like, hey, I'm actually just telling stories of the crazy things that God has done. I didn't, I didn't give, you know, Brian Burwell the strength to survive through 9-11. I didn't give this lady the strength to, like, you talk to an assassin. I didn't do any of these things. God is the one who did those things. And I am simply just a tool in God's hand. So I'd encourage mm -hmm. any of your authors, same thing there as well. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Friends, I hope that you've benefited from this as much as we have. It's just been a delightful time. And I pray that in your moments of darkness and in your moments of joy, you will remember you're a tool in God's hands to accomplish His purposes. And there's no better thing than that. Amen. Amen. 
Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at writefromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Mm-hmm.